Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Friday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Well, our St. Paul course is off and running. Two lessons are out, the first two, and uh, we have office hours scheduled for this coming weekend, for tomorrow. However, I need to note here that I'm speaking at a conference up at Whispering Winds in Julian on Saturday and Sunday. That will be my first live audience since March. I hope I still remember how to do this. In any case, I want to push the office hours from Saturday to perhaps Monday or Tuesday, and I'll send out an email to all the people registered in class, letting them know that. But uh, keep me in your prayers if you would. A live audience, I think there's 60-some people who are registered for the retreat, and it'll be interesting to see how we actually do this logistically. But um, it, should be, uh, it should be a lot of fun together and see a lot of friends, a lot of old friends. Anyhow, we should get right back to our story here in Acts. Now, we left Paul beginning his ministry, taught by the risen and glorified Christ himself. But at this stage of our story, it never occurred to anybody that the gospel message had anything whatsoever to do with anyone except the Jews. Jesus was, after all, the Jewish Messiah. And it, it just no, no one ever imagined that Gentiles had anything to do with this message. So we need to explore the Gentiles. And we do that in Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea Maritima, the deep water port on the coast, Mediterranean coast. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. A centurion is a Roman officer who has 100 men under his command. A legion is made up of regiments, and a legion is 6,000 men. Well, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. So this centurion of the Italian regiment has been stationed at Caesarea Maritima, and he's interacted with the Jews, and he found this God the Jews worshipped to be something that he felt close to. He did not convert to Judaism, but he was drawn to the God of Israel. He prayed, he gave generously to those in need, and he, he was a good man. Now one day, at about three o'clock in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. So he's not asleep, he's not dreaming, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, and he distinctly saw an angel of God standing right in front of him. He must have been Stunned, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear, as people always do. Angels are fearsome creatures. What is it, Lord, he asked. And the angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. So Caesarea Maritima is on the Mediterranean coast, 30 miles south, 
down the coast is Joppa, 30 miles, a day's journey for adult men walking. Peter's down at Joppa. Send men for him. He's staying with Simon the Tanner. So when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened with the angel, and he sent them to Joppa. So off they go. He knows when they'll arrive. They'll cover 30 miles in a day's walk. So about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof of the house to pray. Now, he's not on a peaked roof. The architecture of houses during this time were a courtyard surrounded by buildings with flat roofs. And there'd be a stairway going up to the roof, and that's where he'd sit out at night, you know, on the plastic lawn chairs, having a glass of wine. And he's right there in Joppa, at the port of Joppa, looking at the Mediterranean. So Peter went up on the roof to pray at about noon. He's sitting there, and you've probably done the same thing at one point or another. It's noontime. He can smell the food cooking down in the house. The sun is shining, noontime directly overhead. He can hear the water. He has his eyes closed. He's praying, and, and he's in something of a reverie, a reverie. He became hungry, smelling the food being cooked, and we read he fell into a trance, not, not trance, more reverie. And he saw heaven opened, and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. And a voice said, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter thought, what? What a strange image. Not, not, surely not, Lord. I, I've never eaten anything impure and clean in my whole life. I've been kosher my entire life. Because in the sheet, there, there, there were goats and cattle and pigs and lobsters and all this mixed animals. The voice spoke to him again. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Now this happened three times. And then the sheet was taken back to heaven. And then Peter sort of came out of the reverie and he said, oh, holy cow, what was that all about? And then, as he was thinking that, a knock on the gate. The men sent by Cornelius. And they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. Well, Peter was thinking about all about the vision, and the Spirit said, uh, uh, Peter, there are two, three guys down there looking for you. Get up and go downstairs. So they did. he did. Peter went down, and he said to the men, I, I'm the one you're looking for. What do you want? And the men replied, We've come from Cornelius the centurion up at Caesarea Maritima. He's a righteous and God-fearing man, respected by all the Jewish people. And a holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. They stay overnight. 
They arrived at noon. They have dinner together that night. They stay overnight. And the next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived at Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was expecting them. He knew exactly how long it would take to get there and back and the overnight stay and so on. So he had called together all his relatives and friends. And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. He said, please stand up. I'm just a man. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people, all Gentiles. He said to them, Now, you're well aware that it's against our law, the Mosaic law, for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or even visit him. That's not something we do. And indeed, that's in the law of Moses that Jews do not associate with Gentiles. You don't associate with them. You don't become friends with them. You don't do business with them. You don't date their daughters. You don't go to their homes and have a meal with them. Because if you do, you intermarry with them. And if you intermarry with them, within three generations, that line of Judaism is gone. So you don't do it. How is it that God enabled Abraham, Isaac, Jacob to grow into a nation? It was a family, an extended family of 70-some people. They go to Egypt, where, under any other conditions, they would have assimilated in a matter of three generations. But they didn't. They became slaves. Slaves do not assimilate. God put a wall of slavery around the Jews in Egypt, enabling them to grow to critical mass where they could become a nation without assimilating. That's why it was slavery in Egypt. We don't associate with Gentiles. But Peter had been thinking about that sheet being lowered from heaven. It wasn't about food. It's about people, clean and unclean. Gentiles were unclean. But God has shown me I should not call any man unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius said, well, four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, three in the afternoon, And suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now, we're all here in the presence of God to listen to what you have to say. So Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling them the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, not just the Jews, of all. 
And you know what's happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We apostles are eyewitnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, crucifying him. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testified about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Well, while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit came upon all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, the Jews who had come with Peter from Joppa, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. They heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said, well, I'll be darned. Who would have thought? Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just like we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. And he did. And I think he ate Gentile food. Well, when the apostles and all the brothers throughout Judea heard that Gentiles had received the word of God, they were astonished. And Peter had some splaining to do because no one in the early church up until this point, no one, not a single person, thought Gentiles had anything to do with this gospel message. This was for the Jews. And that will be a major issue with St. Paul. Paul will become the apostle to the Gentiles, but he will face fierce opposition from the Jewish believers for bringing Gentiles into the church. It's something that will continue on all the way through the first century, this conflict between Jew and Gentile Christians. We'll see it in Paul's letters and epistles. So Peter went back up to Jerusalem and the circumcised believers said, you, you did what? You went into the house of uncircumcised men and you ate with them? What, they gave you pork chops? Well, they did, they were pretty good too. Oh, I can't believe you did that. So Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it happened and they were astonished astonished that the gospel had anything to do with the Gentiles. But sure enough, Cornelius and his family become the first Gentile believers. That'll take some getting used to. And we have to wonder, how will the church deal with this? If Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, and the gospel message is for Jews and Gentiles both. If you're a Gentile, 
and you become a believer, do you not also have to follow the Mosaic Law? After all, the Mosaic Law was directly from God's lips to Moses to you. You would be circumcised if you were a male. You would follow the dietary laws. You would follow all the laws of Moses laid out in the Torah, the Pentateuch, Genesis through Deuteronomy. How could you not? That was the issue. And it will be a major issue, and we'll have a look at it in our next podcast on Monday. Okay, folks. Hey, keep me in your prayers for the uh, retreat up at Whispering Winds. I'm looking forward to that. It's been a long time since I've had a live audience, and uh, I I hope I do okay. Uh, Keep me in your prayers if you would. Uh, I'm going to be talking about, uh, about love and about the legacy that love produces. And uh, that should be uh, that should be a lot of fun. But do keep me in your prayers. Uh, I'll be thinking about you while I'm there. I'll keep you in mind. And make sure you get people to sign up for the St. Paul course. Uh, we're going to have a great time together. And I'll do the Zoom meeting after I get back from the uh, retreat up in Julian on Monday or Tuesday. Okay? Hope to see you then on Zoom. So bye-bye, folks.